Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. For all you parents out there and students too, navigating the college admissions process can be daunting, frightening, and totally overwhelming. This is a topic I've wanted to cover on my show for some time, and I wondered how to approach it. But as often happens to me, the solution showed up today in the form of Jill Margaret Shulman. Jill is a writer as well as founder of In Other Words, a company that provides college essay coaching and application reviews. Her current work is a result of an interesting journey that incorporates a love of helping others and various personal experiences. To top all of that, Jill is an alumna from the same wonderful institution where I studied. It seems we overlapped for a few years and actually studied in the same department, although we never met, and it's only just now that I've come to meet Jill. So welcome, Jill, and thank you so much for joining me on Perspectives. I'm so happy to be here and finally meet you. (laughs) So I read your wonderful book, College Admissions Cracked, Saving Your Kid and yourself from the madness, and I was wondering to myself where it was about six years ago when I could have used it. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that a lot. (laughs) So I'm really excited to have you here so that you can help all the others out there that could probably benefit from it. Um, And I guess I'm sort of interested because you went to law school, I think, after college. Is that correct? No. <laughs> but no, I was no a paralegal okay. for my first job out, outside of college. And, and it's a great uh, tale to tell to young students who think they have to know exactly what they want to be when they grow up before they even apply to college. Because right. after college, I tried that track. And... <laughs> through trying something, found that there were other directions and paths that suited me better. And uh, I love to tell students that we adults are always trying things, and sometimes they work out, and sometimes they don't, and it leads us to the next thing so that they don't have to feel so overwhelmed like they have to make a decision about exactly where they're going to college and what they're going to major in and what they're going to be when they grow up to make themselves happy for the rest of their lives. <laughs> I, I agree completely because I also had a circuitous journey and it's interesting having gone through the college admissions process with both my children, there's this tendency now, and I don't remember if we had it when we were applying, but now it seems students are, they feel compelled to put down a major. And if they have, if they feel undecided, they're hesitant about it. So can you talk a little bit how you moved through your various stages to get to where you are today? Sure. Um, So I, I, I took a night class when I was a paralegal and found that expressing myself in writing was the most natural progression for me. And so I went to graduate school in creative writing and I taught at various colleges around Manhattan when I was younger and I became full-time at Bronx Community College of the City University of New York, which which was incredibly rewarding, less because I was teaching writing and more because I was teaching empowerment. A lot of the students there didn't feel in control of their own lives and didn't feel worthy of being there. And I felt that it was my job to, to tell them not only do you belong here, but even though they might think that they can't write, a lot of them were... Uh, relatively recent immigrants and English was not their first language, but they had a really important story to tell and freeing them up to just feel like they're the ones in power. The, some of the stories that came out of them were amazing. And I kind of feel like that was 
part of, that was a seed that was planted at that stage of my life that kind of led to essay coaching of teenagers later. Um, so then after I taught, I ran an at-risk program for rural Iowa youth while uh, my husband was studying at the Iowa Writers Workshop in Iowa. And uh-huh. that, I think, is where I really learned to listen, not just <laughs> passively listen and then teach things to people, but really listen to the kinds of needs that these students had. And I found that they weren't that different from the students that I had that were adults in New York. And the need was for somebody to hear them. And it's a pretty powerful need. And, and, uh, when I could bring it out of them into writing, again, that felt really empowering for me. So then I went the writing direction and became a freelance writer. And I was always combining education and writing in my career. And uh, after I had kids I and was a stay-at-home mom for a period of time, I landed in my first admissions department um, evaluating applications for colleges, and people started asking me to help their kids with with writing essays because they knew that I had this background, and eventually I started my own business doing that. How's that for a recap of my life? <laughs> That's pretty amazing, and I like your point about empowering individuals really of all ages and all backgrounds through writing I think um, that's fabulous and in this college admissions process I think that's also what's needed the the essay portion of the application I think many students find daunting and often don't know where to start Um, so I think that's terrific and I I think what you're doing is is pretty amazing Um, I'm curious because it's so much in the news right now about colleges, college admissions, various colleges and their practices and how they choose to admit. Was it like this when we were applying to colleges years ago and we've just forgotten or has the environment changed? And if it has, why do you think it has? It has changed so immensely. Um, I mean, I I think we're... We were applying around the same time when we still had electric typewriters and whiteout. Right, <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, yeah, and around um, around that time, uh, that, the U.S. News and World Report published their first college rankings, and suddenly people thought that there was an objective best college, and uh, I think, you know, the... Seeds were planted then for the kind of cutthroat competition feeling that pervades today. Um, mm-hmm. There are no, uh, there are no objective best colleges. There are best colleges for individuals, but not necessarily for every individual. And uh, I think um, around, I, the common application came into play, uh, I think it was in the 70s, and uh, now the common application, which is an online application, makes it really easy for students to apply to colleges. They don't have to type in their name and address uh, for every individual college. They can just type the basics in one time and um, send it off to a number of different colleges. And it's a great development. Well, you know that you work with with um, really busy teenagers, and for them, right. not having to retype over and over again all the same information saves them very valuable time that they can use for actually sleeping. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, right. But uh, it is uh, it becomes a problem when it's so easy to just send off another application because they can, that sometimes students aren't uh, curating their college lists 
very carefully, which ends up in more competition because more students are applying to the same colleges, often the ones hovering at the top of those rankings lists, which probably don't use the same criteria that those students might if they studied them more closely. And in addition to um, sending them off to more colleges, uh, they're sending them off maybe to colleges that are kind of shoot-for-the-moon colleges for them. And no matter how you slice it, uh, denial feels bad. So even if they think, you know, even if they realize that they only have a 6% chance of being admitted into Harvard College, for example, um, when they get that denial, it, does, it, it still resonates deeply emotionally right. for them. Right. I, yeah. I would I agree. I think it is so easy with that common application to just, you know, short of the fee that you might have to pay, it's very easy to send off your application. So it creates a process perhaps that's not as thoughtful. Um, right. And I guess that's exactly. where that's where where parents come in. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the, the role of parents in this process, because it's complicated. <laughs> It's really complicated because in so many families, parents are the ones in charge financially of this huge decision about a big-ticket item for the family. And so they they should have some say. But uh, I think that that parents... Of, of our generation, they get a bum rap, and in some ways it's, it's uh, fair about helicoptering and snow plowing and all of these things. But I think that uh, the parents that I speak with genuinely want the best for their children, and they want advice on what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. It's just hard to gauge what's appropriate for that when it's appropriate for them to lean in and when it's appropriate for them to pull back when everybody else around them is hovering and uh, probably diving in too deeply. And like you said in the news, we've seen you know, the true depths <laughs> that parents can dive when fear and this overwhelming feeling and the... Um, the kind of ugly competition that seems to be seems to have overwhelmed the process steps in. Um, so, parents and what is appropriate. The the main um, objective I tell parents is let your child take the lead as much as possible. Okay. So, uh, if a student is um, really overwhelmed and nervous about talking about colleges. I mean, this is, you know, like psychology 101, but (laughs) ask them more questions than uh, giving them advice. So that's the the cardinal rule, is let your child take the lead and to listen more than you speak. And then, really, this is a great opportunity uh, for parents to not feel ashamed if they've been doing things for their kid that maybe their kids were capable of doing them themselves, but it's a great opportunity to start uh, fostering independence in your kid. Like, let them be the one to sign up for a college visit and get on the website, or if they're an athlete, let them be the one to approach a coach via email and don't take over and write the email form just because it's easier for you to do and they're really busy. I hear these excuses a lot. Sometimes it might take a little bit more time to let them take the lead, but it's so worth it because I really think that parents, uh, parents who believe that this college admissions process is the culmination of all of their parenting to date of this child since they were a <laughs> tiny infant. It's, it's kind of true, but it's not for the reasons they think. They think that the culminating act is getting their kid accepted into the best college. But really, the culminating act is just those 
final touches on their preparation uh, for their child to take on the world as an independent person without them. So that's what college actually means, is them going away and out into the world in this sort of controlled environment, but with without you. And I think parents don't really acknowledge often that this depth of love and fear and the transition for the whole family might be part of what's underlying the college admissions mania. Oh, that, well, that makes a lot of sense because there's so many emotions embroiled in this process. And as you said, I mean, at where we went to school, one of the first events at the beginning of freshman year is convocation. And that's the start of the college year and the next four years as well. So college is very much a stepping stone. So Mm -hmm. we're going to take a small commercial break right here. So please stay tuned. We're talking to Jill Margaret Shulman about navigating the college admissions process. If you have questions, you can email me, Dr. Vidisha Patel at drvforkids at yahoo.com. And we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Vadisha Patel is a licensed mental health counselor working at Peace of Heart LLC in Sarasota, Florida. Peace of Heart offers individual counseling with children and adults, as well as programs in stress reduction. Dr. Patel utilizes a relationship-based approach to treatment. She is currently accepting new patients. To find out more, visit peaceofheartllc.com or in Florida, call 941-539-1727. Again, that's peaceofheartllc.com or call 941-539-1727. Peace of Heart, LLC. Managing emotions for a healthier lifestyle. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number four, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm here in conversation with Jill Margaret Shulman, author and coach about the college admissions process. So, Jill, before the break, we were talking about parents and the parents' role in this admissions process with the kids. And I I want to talk about that a little bit more because I think it's really important. Um, I think there's parents have a, a really tough time because they're, they want what's best for their kids, as you said. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of peer pressure. And um, you have some great it's so stories. Hard. You have great stories in your book. And I don't know if, um, if you can talk a little bit about that. And if you have any stories that you're willing to share with the listeners, that would be wonderful as well. Um, which stories were you referring to? Um, how uh, just some of the parenting challenges, you know, how parents will get together and hear, having a conversation with other parents. Um, I think one of the challenges I remember was dealing with other parents who would say, well, where is your child applying? And it was difficult to answer because that was something that was very personal to our family. And yet, as a parent, I wouldn't want to to lie to them to say, well, I don't know. And there's also the issue of what stage people were in the application process or in the 
selection process or the thought process. And oh, just this is such a, an important topic because it is such a pervasive question, and the question askers have no idea the position that they're putting the parents in. Um, you feel like you want to be loyal to your kid and not spout out a bunch of answers because it's really their information to share. Right. At the same time, you feel put on the spot, and sometimes, oh, I would find myself spouting out names of colleges and then beating myself up and saying, <laughs> why did I do that? That was so silly. And um, and I, I put a bunch of tools for that in the book, but my favorite one is the rule of five, which is, okay, I just spouted out that list of colleges, and in it's not going to matter in five years let alone okay. five minutes. So it's not worth more than five seconds stressing <laughs> out about it and just kind of moving forward. And uh, the main thing I think, uh, again, letting your child take the lead is a great cardinal rule because in this case, you're, you're, if you think it's bad for the parents, the kids are getting it worse. I mean, those AP English classes can be vipers dens for these, for our children. And, uh, so I think a really great strategy, and I put many strategies in the book, um, but I think a great strategy is the in cahoots with your kids strategy. That is say, hey, a lot of people are asking me, where are you applying to college? And I'm guessing they're asking you, too, what are you saying and what would you like me to say? And that way, it puts your kid back into control, in control of her own application process and her own college admissions journey. That's wonderful advice because I think constantly trying to empower your, your child is one of the best ways we can set them up to be independent and succeed once they get to college. Um, tell me when you have, when you're working with students, do you, they must talk to you. They must talk to you about what it feels like to go through the process. Um, what, what do they, what types of things do they, they talk about? Oh, well, because I'm not their mom, they spill and uh, they come in often feeling really defeated before they've even started. Um, either I, I'm a bad writer, I can't write, or I'm usually a good writer, but I can't write this essay because it's so high stakes and it's going to change my life. And I'm worried that... Um, I'm worried about not getting into college for a variety of reasons, what my friends will think of me, and often the, to disappoint my parents. I don't want to disappoint my parents. My dad really, really wants me to go to his alma mater, and I'm not sure that that's right for me. And uh, so I have to... The first thing I often do, they'll, they'll say, I don't know what to say in my application. I don't know what they want to hear from me. And then I have to turn it around for them. And the first thing I do is say, well, what do you want to say? How do right. you see yourself now? And how, how, do you, how do you want to use college to become the person that you want to be? And they kind of look at me like, wait a minute, nobody's ever asked me that before. You know, <laughs> People have been saying all the different advice about how to impress a judgy person, when in reality, once they flip it around and realize, hey, I'm the one in control, then all of a sudden, they can write stuff. That's great. That's, I, it's not something, I haven't thought of it that way before, and it makes so much sense because, yes, the conversation is out there is always how to get into college, what to do to get into college, which actually brings me to a slightly Well, I different... do want to add something that um, for parents, it works exactly the same way. When, I, when I'm consulting parents, they come to me and, and, and the attitude is, how do I get my kid into the best school? And my response is, well, wait a minute, let's think of it this way. Who is this amazing kid of yours? 
and what do these colleges have to offer him? Right. It's, the, it's a similar kind of uh, changing perspectives that really helps people feel calmer and less fearful. Absolutely. And so when I was actually, when I was reading your book, I was actually surprised that you start talking about um, you started talking about the process in the junior year of high school. And I'm surprised only because it seems that every year that goes by, schools and parents and therefore the students are thinking about how to prepare themselves for the college process younger and younger. And I have students in that I work with in middle school who are stressed and anxious because of courses they took or didn't take or sports teams they made or didn't make because that was going to impact their college process. So it almost seems like starting your junior year is what we did 30 years ago. <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. now it, se- it seems as if people are starting much younger. So I wanted to know your thoughts about that. I do have parents calling me and saying, my child is graduating from eighth grade and starting high school. What do I do? And I know that there are some consultants who will start with students that early, but I am not one of them. I, um, I have been on the other side inside of college admissions offices evaluating applications, and I can tell you that the students who have started thinking about building a college resume and curating their lives in order to do so are the ones who often just sort of blend together. They've checked off the boxes that they've heard they're supposed to check off. Community service, check. Uh, you know, playing a sport, check. Founding a club. And uh, the ones that stand out when I am reading applications, if, of course, the grades and the rigor and test scores and all of the numbers and letters are equal, are the ones, are the kids who have had enough freedom in their childhood to explore their own genuine interests and uh, follow their own path. And they generally bubble up into uh, either leadership positions or doing something really off the beaten path interesting when they have the freedom to be children. I I completely agree with you because that is what I always stress. I'm always talking about it's important for children to be bored. It's important for children to have time that's quiet and not involved in something so that they have the time to dream because yeah. you need time to to sort of consolidate things you've learned and to dream about what you want your future to look like because when you do have to write a college essay, it seems to me that you have to have ideas of what you would like yourself to look and like. Also, but how would it's you? It's awful. Yeah. Well, on the college app, on the common application, there is this this uh, question that they ask. You know, what basically, what do you want to be when you grow up? And there's a list of occupations, and one of them is optometrist, and it just <laughs> makes me laugh. Like what? 17-year-old knows that they want to be an optometrist when they grow up. And what I get are students walking into my office saying, I love the theater. And I have, I've always dreamed of being on stage and being on Broadway and writing scripts. And, and then I ask, uh, what, you know, what are you thinking of studying? And they say, econ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they've been told that whatever they're dreaming about is impractical or, you know, computer science is a big one, but there are other things where you can get a job and it'll make everything worthwhile, you know, all the money that the parents are about to spend worthwhile. And uh, giving up those dreams um, just, just makes, it breaks my heart. Well, and how do you negotiate that conversation with parents then? Do you do you work both with the parents and the students or together or how do you how do you work with them and especially through something like this? Well, I think that I don't. I mean, I I work with with them separately. I keep the confidentiality of the student 
and the confidentiality of the parent because the parent gets to voice their fears and concerns too. Just not uh, modeling calm for their kid is the most helpful. But to me, they can say all these things and mostly they just want to do everything that they can to set their kid up for uh, their version of success. And it's hard to remind parents that their version of success might not look the same as their child's version of success and that, you know, they have mo- they've, they've uh, voiced all of their, I mean, they've had a lot of years to teach their children the family's values and right. now is the time to start uh, listening to the child and supporting the values that the child has uh has accumulated throughout that time because so, they're not the only influence the child has had. Right. Right. Now you have some humorous descriptions and I find it humorous because I can relate to it completely about when you, you, the parent loved your undergraduate institution so much that you would love for your children to go there or the opposite. You disliked it so much that you really don't want your children to go there. Um, What do you recommend to parents in those situations of how to handle their conversations? Oh, that's so hard. You know, I worked, I I loved the school that we went to and I had an amazing experience there and I tried so hard not to bring it in the conversation while the college admissions process was going on. But then when I thought back on it, I'd been going to reunions and dragging my kids there. I think I used this in the book, but it was like a religious pilgrimage every five years. (laughs) And my kids, it was no secret how much I loved the college. And uh, I, you know, all I could do was hope that my child didn't have, um, didn't feel pressure to love it as well. And, you know, when my second one was going through, he said, you know, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) He looked at me with some fear, like I would be disappointed in him. And He's so right. He ended up at a college that was very, very different from the college that I attended, as well he should have. So um, I just think giving your child permission to forge their own path is is important and also really hard when, you know, you loved the place that you went. Or my husband was not super thrilled with where he went to college and he had to do the same refraining from talking it down. It's just so hard, all of it, to not bring our opinions uh, into it or to, you know, just kind of stifle them as much as we can. But one place I think it's important for parents to speak up and that people don't talk as much about as I think they should is the financial piece. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that, parents should be shy about talking to their children before they start visiting colleges and saying, hey, look, you know, we need to look into what we can afford and what we can't and, um, and talk, to the, talk to the kid about if there are any limitations for the family financially. So, so hold that thought it, because we're going to head to a short commercial break and we'll oh, okay. pick it up when we come back. So don't go away. We'll be right back to talk some more about how to navigate some of the most stressful times for parents and teenagers, the college admissions process. So we will be right back to Perspectives. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Vadisha Patel is a licensed mental health counselor working at Peace of Heart LLC in Sarasota, Florida. Peace of Heart offers individual counseling with children and adults, as well as programs in stress reduction. Dr. Patel utilizes a relationship-based approach to treatment. She is currently accepting new patients. To find out more, visit peaceofheartllc.com or in Florida, 
Call 941-539-1727. Again, that's peaceofheartllc.com. Or call 941-539-1727. Peace of Heart LLC. Managing emotions for a healthier lifestyle. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're listening to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Please get in touch with me via email at drvforkids at yahoo.com with any questions or comments. I'm here with Jill Margaret Shulman, and we are talking about the college admissions process and the book that she's written called College Admissions Cracked. So, Jill, at the last break, uh, we were you were just starting to talk about um, the financial piece, which I think is really important um, for families to have discussions about. So if you can pick up there, that would be great. Uh, yes. I, I think that not enough families have this conversation early enough in the college search process. And I think uh, if, if it's at all in question how much you can afford, then uh, I, I give this advice in my book, but I just want to share it here, that colleges have on their websites a, um, an estimated financial aid calculator, and you can plug in your numbers as best you can. I mean, if you're an independent contractor, I know your numbers fluctuate from year to year, but plug in your la- the numbers from your last tax return and Although it's not a perfect estimate, it will give you a ballpark figure of how much the college will really cost as opposed to what the sticker price says it will cost. Some colleges will cover full demonstrated financial need, and uh, a name brand college might be cheaper for your family than the state school. Other colleges uh, will advertise on their websites if they give merit scholarships to students for their academic uh, achievements, and, you know, taking those things into consideration, too, will help you determine whether a school is a financially feasible one for you. And uh, another piece of it that adds to the financial uh, strain for some families is is geography. How far is it realistic for you to send your child to school when factoring in things like plane tickets? Um, So I think parents alone uh, focusing on this piece before they start the conversation with their kids and then including it in the conversation of these young adults. um, There was one college that my son was interested in, and I made it very clear to him that um, while I completely support whatever decision he makes, if he chose that college, then he would have X amount of dollars in debt when he graduated, which would be in his name. And for for a child hearing you know, thousands of dollars that they're going to owe can help um, the parent not be the bad guy when you can't afford a school that they've been considering. So it's interesting that you said that name brand colleges could turn out to be financially more viable options than state colleges, Mm -hmm. because typically, especially I live in the state of Florida, so typically Floridians will say that 
going to a Florida school is so much cheaper than many of the name brand schools. So, and it might be. It depends on the on the student. But um, for people who uh, who are in a lower income bracket, um, (laughs) some of these schools that that are you know prestigious ones that you've heard of that you that look like they're seventy four thousand dollars can be free for them, depending on you know if they can demonstrate financial aid or financial need on the horrible forms that one has to fill out um, to ask to qualify for it. And that calculator that's on the website, can that help come up with the answer to that question? Or is it further along the road that you find out if that name brand school would be more affordable? Uh. Like the, it's a great question, and I think it depends on um, on the school and on which forms you're filling out. Whether you're trying to um, whether you're looking at private or public schools with the different forms that come up. Um, but if your child qualifies for uh, free lunch at school, then um, take into consideration that you might qualify for a significant amount of uh, of financial coverage for uh, for private schools with large endowments. Right. So the other important point that you brought up was the geography, which I don't think uh, students normally think about. But it's true. If you're going to travel across the country to go to college, then it adds to the cost of your education if you're anticipating flying home for all the holidays. Um And as well as you talk about this in your book, about the personality of the student, that even if the school is a great fit for them, is it a great fit for them to be so far away from home? Yes. And and, uh, it was interesting because my daughter applied early decision to a college that was very close to home and early action. Uh, to a college that was quite far away. And when she was accepted early decision, she said that a big part of her relief was that she didn't have to go quite so far away. It didn't feel like as huge of a leap to her. But I don't think she really realized that until after all of the notifications went down. And so it's a good idea to think about um, about how far away, you know, did your child get get really homesick when they went to camp for two weeks, or did they choose to stay for eight weeks and didn't even think about home? And uh, thinking about, you know, uh, thinking thinking about your your child's um, need to, you know, be closer to sometimes uh, sometimes it'll come out in weird ways that that uh, like like uh, I remember one student said she really didn't want to be far away from her cat <laughs> and that was <laughs> okay. sort of code for I think I need to stay a little closer to home so uh, when would you anticipate or recommend those conversations starting between parent and child, or do they start when they come to see you? <laughs> I, they start so at different times for every kid. And I, I definitely, I, I want to make it clear that although my book begins at the start of junior year and ends at college drop-off and goes month through month um, giving sort of a blueprint of uh, when to do what, it is not prescriptive. You can drop in to any part of the college admissions process when you're good and ready. And I think it, it is so different from student to student that uh, I think that's another piece that freaks parents out is when they hear that uh, their friend has visited 20 schools with their kid and they haven't even started with their own child yet. Um, parents get panicked that I'm behind and, and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not doing the best by my kid. And 
It's not true. I mean, I know students who, uh, I just talked to somebody the other day who said, you know, just like your book said, my kid didn't even start thinking about college until she was back in school at the start of senior year, and now she's gone into overdrive and she's going to be ready to apply early to specific schools by November 1st. And, you know, some kids are last-minute Charlies, and if yours has always been that way, um, <laughs> I wouldn't expect a, you know, a massive change at the, you know, for, for college admissions. And some kids get really stressed out really, really early and need to go on a couple of college visits sophomore year even just to demystify it so that it isn't such a, a kind of a, a cloud of unknown before them. Right. So I I know of instances where um, a student was working on their essays for their college applications and they said they were working on them, but they weren't actually writing anything. And days and days went by where this was happening, apparently. Um, And then one day they sat down and they wrote the whole thing out. So I think this is a, a point about parents needing to understand how each one of their children works because each child, I think, in a family may work differently. And this particular student just was formulating ideas in their head and playing with it all in their head. And then when it all came together, they just sat down and wrote it. And it, and in fact, it required very little editing. Um, and they were fortunate that that process worked for them that way. But other children, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all that way, and they end up writing and rewriting and you know talking it through with other people. But um, to your point, that everybody's experience is different. Um, I don't think we can underscore that enough. That parents and it's as a parent, it becomes very difficult because especially if you've it put one through so one, you've gone through one process, and then you've got another child, and you think it will be the same way, and it turns out to be totally different. It's true. Our kids are different from each other if we have more than one child. And uh, when parents hear what some parents are very vocal about all the different things that they're doing for their child and and uh, the parent who is listening is silently so concerned that um, those aren't the things that they're doing for their own child and, and am I behind and is it too late? And uh, really, I think that the parent who is voicing all of the different colleges that they visited or all of the different activities that their child has done is equally as fearful. They are... Uh, talking about all these things to you, hopefully, because in front of their own child, they're just nodding their heads and voicing support. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I think, you know, forgiving ourselves for um, all the mistakes that we've made as parents coming to this point is crucial because when push comes to shove, our kids have survived our parenting to the point where they are thinking about applying to college, and that is no small feat. And <laughs> forgiving other parents for, you know, maybe acting a little off-putting or, you know, people will say crazy, yeah, they might have some some very uh, – unusual uh, behaviors that are unusual for them during this time. And I have heard so many parents snap out of the college admissions frenzy and feel pretty ashamed about the way that they responded to it. And I think the rule of five comes into play. If you've maintained a relationship with your child and you feel bad about the way that you behaved at any point in the college admissions process, just apologize and say, hey, I got swept away. This isn't really me. Congratulations. And uh, I'm so looking forward to you uh, making the most of the college where you've ended up. So, Jill, we just have literally like a minute and a half left. So can you okay. give us your top, like top little bits of advice for the students that you share yeah. with them? Yes. So I think uh, for students, you need to know that you are the one in charge, not the, 
not the judgy colleges. And in the end, you're the one who's going to college, not your parents. And so you're, uh, you should feel in power about this decision and that once this decision is made, this is, this decision is not who you are. It's just one step. Uh, it's, you know, four, maybe six years of your life. And then you move on to make other huge decisions. It just feels so big because this is the first one that's been placed into your hands as a young adult. And for parents, I think they need to hear, you know, if they're feeling anxious, they're also the ones in power. They're, they know their kid better than anyone else, except their kid knows themselves better, probably. And they're not behind, right. and they're not alone if they're having these feelings. So they should come to my website, which is jillshulman.com, and uh, join my Chill Parents Revolution. And it's, <laughs> it's a community of parents that are all going through this together in our own time and our own way. That sounds amazing. And I also would like to remind everybody about your book called College Admissions Cracked, Saving Your Kid and Yourself from the Madness. And having gone through this twice, I can affirm that it is a challenging time going through the college college admissions (laughs) process, but it all works out in the end. And I love the fact, Jill, that you call yourself a college admissions coach and an ally because it really is working with the students and with the parents. And so I I love the way you describe yourself. Um, So thank you so much for joining us today on Perspectives. I've been talking with Jill Margaret Schulman about the college admissions process and parenting our way through it and so much more. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel, your host for Perspectives. I look forward to being back with you next week for another edition. In the meantime, feel free to email me if you have any questions or comments at drvforkids at yahoo.com. Have a wonderful week and until next time. Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.